How do you describe pushing to your pregnant clients? In today's podcast, I talk with birth educator and doula Chantel Traub about pushing during labor. Hello, friends. This is Lynn Schulte, and you are listening to the Birth Healing Summit podcast. We are here for meaningful conversations that will transform the way you work with pregnant and postpartum clients. Whether it is a new perspective, tool, or technique, you'll be able to implement it into your practice today. I invite you to sit back, listen with an open mind, and grab the golden nugget today's guest has to offer. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode. Uh, I have with us today Chantal Traub, and today we're going to be talking about uh, helping our clients figure out how to push during labor. And hopefully by listening to this podcast, you're going to leave with a few tips and tricks to help encourage your clients to figure out how to best push during labor. So Chantal is a, a doula in New York uh in new york is it city or are you in the city you york, are um new york brooklyn okay. metro area in the metropolitan area there <laughs> and she's also a childbirth educator and a women's health coach so welcome to the podcast chantel thanks so much for being here thank you it's really great to be here with you Lynn. okay so what is it um let's let's start with this question here when you are trying to help your clients understand how to push, do you talk about um, the similarities of having a bowel movement? Yes. Yes and no. <laughs> I think, I think your answer yeah, is yes right. Yes and no. Yes and no. I think there's like yes and. Um, it's so interesting because one of the biggest fears is like, what if I poop while I'm pushing? And that's such a huge fear. Um, that yes. clients have and and honestly and we'll go the answer really is well you know you may you may you know as the as the well often people need to poop before because the body's natural way of <sighs> getting rid of everything to make yeah. space for having a baby so that often happens beforehand but if you do we get excited because what's behind the poop is what we're really excited about so we call it positive poop Oh, I, love it. Yeah. I love it. So that is really something important for us as practitioners here working with pregnant clients to help them to be aware of that. Yes, actually, your labor team loves it when you poop. <laughs> yeah, you're pushing in the right way, the right direction. Yeah. Well, and you know that the baby spot, you know, hopefully yeah. following right behind that. So it's actually an okay thing. Um, because what I've learned from other midwives that I have interviewed in the past is that a lot of times as that baby's head is coming down and it hits the pelvic floor muscles initially, um, it that's the first sign it feels like they have to poop. Yes. However, and, yes. But and then most people's reaction in their body is to like tighten up to avoid that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we need to help encourage our clients to understand that when that baby's head is coming down in and hitting the pelvic floor muscles, yes, it is hitting the rectum as well. And that that's actually a beautiful sign. I like, I try to, you know, celebrate that because that means your baby's head is down low and it's getting ready to come on out. But when you get that feeling of having to push or to poop, that that's when you need to relax your pelvic floor muscles. And- 100%. I um I I teach in my my holistic treatment of the pregnant body course 
how to palpate the the posterior, the vaginal wall um, between levetorrhina and coccygeus is where I'm aiming at. And I give that proprioceptive awareness to my clients, my pregnant clients, and say, here's where you're going to feel the baby's head first. If they don't have an epidural, right? If they have an epidural, they're not going to feel the baby's head hitting their pelvic floor, correct? Well, it depends on if the epidural is beginning to, not the pelvic floor, but like they, at the end, like towards the end, when it, the baby's coming down, they may feel like they feel it like in their hip. They might be feeling, it's interesting. It depends if, if the epidural's wearing off or if it's really light. And so some people might not feel anything and some people might start feeling. So it really depends. Okay. But once they, once they feel that, that feeling of needing to, to poop, that's the signal for the body to, or that what we want the pelvic floor muscles to do is to relax more, right? Not tighten up and try to prevent the poop from coming yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I always have a conversation with that. When, when we talk about if feeling that need to poop, often it is because the baby's coming back down and it's it's flexing and it's pressing like on the the rectum and the anus. And so often they feel like, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. And I, I, I might say you may need to go to the bathroom or you may not. And often I'll say they may that will go. They won't say that again. I'll like, did that feeling go away? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It went away. So I said, notice if it comes with a contraction. And so when and they'll be like, oh, OK, I'll. I'll notice. And if that feeling like, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom is with the contraction, we know that that's that contraction bringing the baby's head down. But it's not like I'll run and call the OB or anything like that. We'll wait because we know the baby still has to come down and extend forward. Um, and until that feeling is absolutely constant or they're instinctively just doing that anyway, because uh, you will hear those sounds, it, you know, I would wait. So that that sensation, and if they have an epidural and they can't feel, I'll be like, okay, we'll just put you, notice if you feel, well, with an epidural, they don't always feel that, to be honest. But um, but without an epidural, they will, they will often feel like, oh, I've got to go to the bathroom. But, you know, it's funny. Sometimes an epidural is wearing off, and that's often right when they are wanting to get a top off. So it's often worth getting checked because it's really, really close. Um, yeah. okay. because they're feeling other sensations. So it might be a good time just to know like, okay, you may want to get it off, but you may just want to wait and let this head. Are you down. saying top off? Yeah. Like a little extra, a little bolus. A little extra epidural, right? Yeah. Or... The problem with a bolus at that point, or even at like, say nine centimeters is sometimes, you know, you're the most numb for that first hour or two. So it's sometimes putting the spanner in the works. If you get that top of right as you, right as you, as it's getting the most strong, as you start pushing and then you can't push in a coordinated way and that may lead you into trouble. So it's often a decision about like, do I have a few more hours, right? Maybe that, yes. Remember how we were talking about like in our session about like that passive, you know, the second stage of labor, like a passive um, phase and then a more active participatory phase. If you've got that passive phase where you're resting and letting that baby labor down for an hour or two or three, you know, then yes, you may want that top off so you can really relax during that time. Um, yeah. But if it's imminent, then you may want to just dig deep and uh, help yeah. the baby out. 
Um, what Chantal is talking about there, everybody, is that uh, we just recorded our, her interview for the Birth Healing Summit this year, and we talked a lot about second stage pushing and um, what is really needed to help our clients to have a successful second stage um, with minimal tearing of the pelvic floor muscles. So please make sure you check that out um, as we dive way deeper into that. Um, I wanted to ask, with an epidural... Um, do you notice if someone has practiced pushing, because in my pregnancy course, after I help get them the kinesthetic awareness of their pelvic floor and where baby's going to come through, then I have them practice the lengthening of the pelvic floor muscles. So like push my fingers on out is what I have them do. And then we practice it in every single position that we can. And, you know, like I said, in the summit interview, supine is always the worst. <laughs> that hook lying position is there's always minimal um, lengthening of the pelvic floor muscles. You get them in side lying and hands and knees, and they're just like, boom. And they're like, oh, I get it now. Um, I'm curious from your experience, if someone has practiced that well, during late uh, during pregnancy and before labor, if they get an epidural, do you find that they still have the motor memory of that lengthening of the muscle and the pushing? Is it more effective versus if someone doesn't practice it at all? Do you have any? Oh, sense? I think absolutely. The absolutely practicing is more helpful, right? Because one, you'll have the muscle memory, and even if you do tense up, because I always feel like there's a little bit of a curl learning curve you'll get it on like just a few pushes as opposed to taking an hour just to practice to get you know it definitely shortens that that pushing uh stage if you if you know how to relax you need to know how to lift and you need to the opposite because some people don't know how to let go until they know how to lift so oh you it's amazing how many people you have your fingers on their pelvic floor and you're like, okay, push my fingers out. And they like contract and pull them up and in, you know, it's just like, yes, no yes, yes, yes. And that's why I'm so passionate about that because this is what I saw for so many years over and over again is that I found moms were working against themselves yes. as they pushed, they, they would be drawing up working against themselves. And so that's actually why I created my class pushing powers because I wanted to, Empower yeah. moms to know, like inform them and educate them so they one could know how to advocate for themselves, but know what to do. But so yeah, and and I'll give you this exact story because I had a client that we I knew her perineum was perfectly prepared. Like I, I knew. Uh -huh. And now it's time to push. And um, and you know, this often happens is the OB goes, comes in and goes, mm, let's because they're looking at those head compressions on the monitor especially with an epidural, right? So they're looking at, and, and she came in, okay, let's see what's going on. And this baby was, it was a good time to start because the baby was around plus one. So it was a fine time to start pushing, you know, to you know, come through those ischial spines. But as we started pushing, like nothing budged, nothing budged, not a thing, like a, no movement. And um, so we did a few pushes and her OB was, you know what, um, this is going to take a while. I'm going to go do some notes. I'll go get lunch. I'll come back in a few hours. You guys carry on. And I was like, no, 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 don't leave. This is not going to take hours. And she was like, Chantal, come on. You know, you know, first time, you know better. So I was like, no, <laughs> this is not going to go. But anyway, so she left. And so um, the nurse and I, yeah, I was working with a great nurse. We were, I was giving her all the cues. Like nothing happened. Every time she pushed, she would just tighten up. 
So this was at like the end of the summer and my kids had been like cannonballing into like pools and um and and lakes and I was like you know what don't don't take your legs just come in come in over here so folk later can see um don't take your legs because I found what I found is often when say if you're pushing on your back and you're taking the legs I find that the they would tighten up their legs so much, right? Tighten up the, the legs and nothing happened. I said, you know what? Don't take your legs. Actually, take your hands around your shins like a cannonball. And as she did so, her pelvic floor just bulged. And then we saw the top of the head. And I said, okay, don't push, blow, 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 blow. Look at me and blow. And this baby just started oozing out. And I was like, okay, blow, blow, blow. The nurse looked at me with saucer eyes. And I said to her, unless you want to catch this baby, call the doctor to come back. (laughs) And I was saying to my client, blow, 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 blow. The nurse ran to the back of the room and pressed the monitor for the whole labor and delivery phone. She said, doctor, if you want to catch baby in room eight, she said the name, come in, you know, right away. Whoops, that didn't crown. Um, (laughs) The doctor came, the doctor came in and I'm saying to my client, blah, 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 blah. And the doctor ran in. The baby was at the ears and she got on one glove and supported the head as that baby crowned and birthed. And the rest of the baby slipped out intact perineum. Wow. So to your point, Lynn, the practicing absolutely helped, but there was a little bit of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, don't tense up. How do you relax? Yeah. And so when I am with my clients and I'm supporting the leg and they're pushing me with their legs across the room, I mean, you're tightening your pelvic floor. You yeah. have to relax. So, um, you know, I want their legs to be loosey-goosey if they're pushing in that position, right, for example. Right. Because as you say, that position is the hardest to kind yeah. of coordinate in. Yeah, yeah. So tell us, what are some of those cues? What are the words that you use to help your clients to figure out how to push, maybe even before labor or in labor? Yeah, so so like, like you will maybe do an internal exam. I try to get to, because I don't do internal exams, I yeah. try to go from the outside. And so I'll have them, um, you know, prepare by one, because often I feel like most people are really kind of tight in that posterior triangle. So I like um, this, I like try to find like the perfect ball that fits into those coccygeal muscles, just like really nicely and have them yeah. sit on the ball and and just breathe. So they can notice. So I'll, I'll with this, but also with breath, I'll um I like to so that they can start learning how to relax and lengthen. And I might have my clients, because I want them to feel safe, right? You have to feel safe enough yes. to let this baby out. So I'll often have them do pelvic breaths. I'm like, don't count sheep, count pelvic breaths <laughs> at night before you go to sleep at night where they feel safe and cozy. Ideally, they yeah. feel safe and cozy in their bed, in their bedroom. So before they fall asleep, just focus on, you know, inhale, feel that expansion. And as you exhale, comes to neutral. Yeah. Inhale, feeling that expansion. come to. So they just connect in their breath to their pelvic floor and feeling that because that's sometimes just hard for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then, but how do you actually instruct the 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 push? 
Yeah. Uh, Because like, like some people just don't get the push at all. They don't know how to do it. Yeah. So again, like sometimes I might even go from the outside with their permission and I'll just put my hands like on the inside of their sit bones and I might give them like a reference. Okay. Push here, like in this direction, you know, if they want me to give them some feedback, sometimes a, an OB can press so that they just not crazy, you know, just a gentle press down can just give them that direction of where to push. But I'll, okay. So for example, if they push in, in this like traditional, and so I will help my clients as you do be able to push in all the different positions. I want them to know, because again, it's just not, it's not only them. It's about the baby. Like what position is this baby going to like, being in because I've had clients say oh I'm going to push on my left side and this is yeah. what I prepared for and then in labor the baby saying hey mom you're pressing on my cord can you move right. yeah 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 I I tell my clients you know I'm like okay well here practicing you know you did best in this position however let that go and do whatever position you need to in labor because your body and your baby knows so helping them to trust in their body to do what they feel called to. I think, you know, one of the things that I've actually told some pregnant clients is I I want you to just spend a few minutes doing what your body wants to do in that moment. Like, does it want to move? Does it want to, to, you know, shimmy? Does it want, you know, like hip circles, like just listen to your body and get a sense of what your body wants to do. And that to me is listening to that interoception that I feel is critical for birth. It really is. I love that because it is helping your clients develop that that intuition, yes. that in embodied awareness. Absolutely. And so much of the time, I, you know, I work here in New York City, people are like, go, 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 and all about the shopping lists. No, but this is the part to be able to really quieten down and listen to inside. You know, um, I think that's absolutely important. Um, so one way that, because I, I, I guess I teach like more from the outside, prenatally, I might have them connect to those muscles. So I will, I like using a ball, for example, and then I'll tell you like the labor. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Like, so I might have them sit on a birth ball so that this, they have that percep- perception of something between their sit bones. Yes. And then I, you know, we'll go over like the different functions of the pelvic floor, of course, but then to focus on the releasing down, or if you will, that puff down, that lengthening. So first of all, to connect to what that feels like. And so the idea of a pinwheel and sitting on something, blowing on the pinwheel and noticing what happens so that they can kind of go, oh yeah, I feel how my sit bones have to widen. I feel like maybe how the pubic bone and tailbone have to move away from each other. That downward feeling rather than than drawing up. So um, to kind of get that feeling. um, And then when when it comes to, so often in labor, I'll be like, don't like hold your breath, don't let the breath out. So we'll practice almost that oceanic breath. What do you mean by that? You know, the the ujjayi breath from yoga or the J breath. So we're not in, so inhale through the nose, but you're exhaling and you relaxing your jaw, your throat, your tongue. It's that sound. Like if you took a seashell and put it next to your ear. Yeah. So I like references 
to, <laughs> to the fluidity, to the ocean. So people often get that because when you do that oceanic breath, you actually feel like it more forward to the front. You feel uh-huh. the muscles relax, but it's a little bit more forward. So often, yes, you do. It is the muscles have to do what you're doing when you're having a bowel movement. But when you're pushing the baby out, it's more like you're, it's more down and forward, almost like you're trying to push. Uh, like if you inserted a tampon, I don't know if anybody, or a diva cup, and you put it in the wrong way and you have to bear down slightly to adjust yeah. it. It's yeah. that more forward feeling. So it's down and forward is what you're wanting to do to help. I mean, if you're pushing a posterior baby, that's a little bit hard. You have to work much harder and that kind of coach-directed pushing, um, certainly uh, like the way that you explain it. Um, but that's that initial feeling and then it's more forward. So okay. I want them to be able to get that sense. So I don't want them pushing only down into the anus because that's where I see those hemorrhoids uh, Okay. If it's uncoordinated, or they, or this baby just isn't in an ideal position, or it might be just too soon, but we never know about the baby because if the baby's not doing well or it's in a funky position, then we have to dig deep and help that baby out. So you have to know how to access those muscles um, to be able to lengthen them. So does that is that helpful in that in that way? I think so. I'm curious with um, when you were talking about that story and you were like, okay, breathe, breathe, breathe what were what kind of breath were you asking your client to do they're just an exhale oh yeah when when the baby's head was crowning when it was yeah. oozing out i didn't want her to add extra force the uterus was now pushing so like for that active participatory phase we want to like dig deep and work with the uterus kind of like help the baby come down like we kind of helping that baby down but then once that baby begins to crown we want to let the uterus just do the work and let that baby ooze out. And I didn't want her to, uh, you know, like give that extra. Also because since her OB, I mean, at the end of the day, her nurse could have caught the baby or I yeah. could have, you know, but I, I really wanted her doctor to be right. And then I wanted that baby to ooze out and she had an epidural so we could control it. The baby was coming anyway. So right. we wanted to slow it well, down. That's what I tell my clients is like, look, you need to understand that if you are unconscious, your uterus can still push this baby out. And, and so I think sometimes it's just a matter of people getting out of the way Mm -hmm. and allowing it to happen versus feeling like they have to push it out. But I don't know about you, but there's like, when that ejection reflex kicks in, you can't help but not push, you know, (laughs) it's so intense. You know, Yes. However, here, you know, I I definitely, you know, as a doula, I'm assisting a lot of people have unmedicated births, but there's, you know, that's almost like 92% or 96% of epidural rates. So people need to learn how to push with an epidural. And so I feel, you know, because I remember, you know, I'm certified through two childbirth education, uh, you know, companies certified. And I was always taught as a childbirth educator, like, we would like skim over the pushing because you'd know how to push. It would be instinctive, but it's not always like that. I would love my clients to come in and they're like, oh. and they just like, that would be amazing. But often it's not like that. And with an epidural of the babies and, you know, a diff, you know, a funky position, some, you do need some directed pushing. And I think the study, I mean, the studies show with an epidural, 
that to avoid an unplanned cesarean is some of that directed pushing until the head's much lower. Without an epidural, you want to, yes, of course. Okay. Uh, Now, with, um, you know, we're talking to a lot of physical therapists here, and um, we all teach the TA and pelvic floor contraction together um, you know, for strengthening of core. And we know that for pushing during labor, we need to disconnect those two. Yes. Do you worry about what the belly's doing in labor with your mamas for pushing, or do you just focus on like lengthening out the pelvic floor muscles? I'm curious what you're. No, absolutely. I'm like, relax the navel to the knees to let the baby out, relax the navel to the knees. So, because if you do like a belly pump, I, t- I have my students practice, like, hey, do like you learn in fitness class, do a belly pump, okay? You draw those, can you relax your pelvic floor muscles? I can So, hey, but I can. No. So that's how, I mean, I've, I've lived constipated my most of my life. I find to get more effective force, I actually contract my TA and relax my pelvic floor muscles. Oh, I see to go forward. I'm like thinking relaxed. I mean, the upper abs. No, I meant I'm contracting. I'm pulling them back to give me more force to let that happen. And I've actually been, I, I've taught my clients to actually contract TA and relax pelvic floor because the, the uterus is doing top down. And when we can and pull in and give it a slight compression, it gives more force to the uterus to do what it needs to do. As long as there's lengthening of the pelvic floor muscles. Yeah, I like the upper abs. So for example, so I'll, you know, when someone's pushing, say, for example, like in the traditional hospital position, um, and they are here, right? So it's often the cue is, and you're going to hate this, but often the cue is, okay, bring your knees to your underarms, curl around that baby and, and push, right? Yeah. So I I know they may land up in that position. So I'm going to reframe it so they know what not to do. So take your hands as low down as you can. If your arms can reach your sit bones and do an internal rotation, you're controlling your legs. Someone's just supporting them. So don't let anybody push them anywhere. They're just supporting your legs. And then I don't teach curl around the baby, but if you just look at your baby, so look at your baby and you're keeping your throat, your jaw soft and just roll these arms back. So you just roll back. That engages these upper abs. You don't even have to think about it because there's so many moving parts. Don't overthink about it. And right. relax his legs. So if you push in like this, right, your legs, right. pushing the person across the room, you're tightening your pelvic floor. So relax, loosey-goosey. I have them do windscreen wipers in between. I give them some nervous system, you know, exercises to do in between pushing contractions if they, or they just rest in, like you rest in between in that position. Of course, when you're on your side, then it doesn't, you know, just internal, it's you, you're not curling. You're just, you know, you're going into it. And some people do have to kind of, when they bear down, they feel the pelvic floor a little bit. If they kind of do a little bit of a curl, they kind of feel those muscles a little bit more. And the hospital beds have something really interesting because sometimes I find when they hold their legs, they tighten up their legs. So it really is going to be depending on the person. So this is going to be a really great way they can do like a towel pull, a sheet pull. They're relaxing their legs and they're pulling. Well, the hospitals have these handles. So it's 
on the bed on the bed and say, okay, don't relax your legs. Your legs are loosey goosey, and you just pull like that, and that just activates those muscles enough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so for everybody listening to this podcast, um, please check it out on YouTube so you can see the video of Chantel showing you the different positions laying on a bed and what a mom needs to do with that. So please check out the YouTube channel to uh, get more information that way. So, yeah. But having but having said that, I just because I don't want people to feel like, oh, I never learned how to push on my back. You know, like if I just, you know, I wasn't allowed to push on hands and knees or the baby didn't. Um, you know, tolerate that. So I just want them to know in case they land up there. I want them to be able to push in all the positions because we just right. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so I always start off like, where do you feel it most? And as you mentioned, hands and knees or sideline is where people. Yeah. And then just on that one, sometimes I find moms want to reach back. Uh-huh. And so the beds have holes because that's when if you push a bed, that's where the hands go in. And you can take that sheet pull and I make and then they can pull back. And that also creates that lift um, can be really helpful. And then just on that call, because the head looking to, once the baby begins to crown, I'm cueing the, their spouse or their significant other to move. I want them to be able to let their head go because as the baby extends to come under, um, sometimes the mom will mimic that move. And so often what I see is, as that as the baby begins to crown, mom will instinctively reach down. I may even offer, do you want to feel your baby's head? Because that yeah. will definitely slow you down. Like there's nothing more special than having that baby just fill your come into your hand. So that's like, whoo, that's really gonna help them slow them down. And often they will instinctively, you know, throw their head back. I want them to because that fascia that connects from the throat all the way down to the pubic bone will help lift that pubic bone to allow the baby to slip underneath. So it may be to find those muscles where they lift, but then I want them to, you know, go where they, they, I want them to do what they want to do. Yeah. Well, that's the most important piece to the puzzle here is again, trying to help our clients tune into themselves, stick, stay connected to their body as much as possible and instinctively move and instinctively do what they feel called to do and to set aside, I, I tell my moms, you're not meant to be thinking during childbirth. You shouldn't be thinking too much. So let's really practice in the clinic here. Let's practice different ways to push, different positions to push in so that you have them in your back pocket and you just automatically go to them versus having to think and try to remember, oh, what did Lynn say when I was working with her? You know, we want it to just become automatic for them. Right? Yeah, and to and to go back to that interoception. So sometimes, you know, I I want my client to spend some time, you know, maybe just moving. Like, and some people have a hard time moving if it's not, say, say a structured class. Like, do yeah. this position or that position. Do this shape, that shape. Just to move, move in the way. Just feel how your body wants to move, because in labor we want them to get into that instinctual brain. And and I think moms instinctually do like I you know this I had this one client who was having a home birth and she struggled with the labor part she couldn't quite get herself so it was hard helping her through the labor because she was like flailing she just couldn't get in like let the storm just (laughs) ride through her but when it came to pushing wow she was in her body she was on her hands and knees she had her hand she was like on her baby she was just she was completely 
in her body. So I feel sometimes that part is easier for moms to really embody because it's so instinctual. Um, of course, if there's you know no epidural and they can really connect, sometimes the laboring part is hard, but that's much easier for them. Wow. Such great information, Chantel. Thank you so much. I love this discussion so, so much. Um, and so everybody, please make sure you check out the Birth Healing Summit this year. Chantel and I go into second stage pushing. We talk a lot more about what really needs to happen in our clients' bodies beyond just what we've talked about here. So there's um, several good golden nuggets that you're going to get out of that interview. So please make sure you check that out and listen in to the summit this year. Um, so thank you, Chantel, so much for sharing what you did today. And thank you everybody for listening in and we will see you all in the next episode. Here is to smoother births and faster recoveries. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Today's podcast was brought to you by the Institute for Birth Healing. To discover more, visit instituteforbirthhealing.com. To claim $50 off of any online course, use coupon code PODCAST50 at checkout. Till next time, I'm Lynn Schulte, founder of the Institute for Birth Healing.